So let's jump right into the word. Can we do that? Genesis 3, 2 through 5, New Living Translation. It says, of course, we may eat from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden. Somebody say the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, read this with me. You must not eat it or what? Even touch it. If you do, you will die. I'm sorry, but a lot of us have heard the sermon that once we ate the fruit, we were condemned. But the word of God says that once you touch it, so we got to deal with some doctrine because then we'll read this, this scripture wrong and we'll think that, well, since I didn't consume the addiction, I just touched it, therefore I'm free. But you touched it. And I want to make sure that you understand something, those of you that are watching online. This sermon series isn't to scare you. It's, it's not to put fear in you, but it's to really bring home the point that we serve a God. He's not a man. He demands obedience. He demands relationship. So when he says something in the word, look at your neighbor and say, you better believe it. Verse 4, Satan, the enemy, who's not important. This is not a sermon where we're going to talk about how terrible the devil is because he's already been defeated. Somebody say he's been defeated. We're not, we're not worried about him, but it's important that we know him. You won't die. This is what the serpent says. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be what? Opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be what? Like God, knowing both good and evil. Today, I'd like to talk to you on a sermon title called God is Good. This whole sermon series, we're, we're talking about really understanding God. We, we see, how many of you guys see things in the news and you, you, like you've heard the question before, like if God can't be real. Because if God existed, we wouldn't have children that are hungry. If God existed, we wouldn't have women that are being taken advantage of. If God was good, we wouldn't have people that are being kicked out of their homes in gentrified neighborhoods and now they have to go to the shelter. They had a job one day, now they're in the soup kitchen nine the next. But today, I'd like to solicit to you that regardless of what's happening around you or to you or through you, it has nothing to do with how good God is. Like, I want to prove to you through scripture that what you were dealing with, and how many of you are dealing with some stuff? If your hand isn't up, I don't believe it, because everybody has stuff. Look at your neighbor say, everybody has stuff. Everybody's got stuff. Everybody's got stuff that makes them cuss. Everybody has stuff that when they walk past the drugstore, they'd be like, man, I might become a pill popper today. But if we are not honest with ourselves, that's when we get in trouble. That's when we begin to blame God for things that his hand was never in. And now people are walking away from church because they're blaming a God that had nothing to do with what they're walking through. So the hope for us today is for your, your whole self. Somebody say your whole self. Not just your heart, but your mind, soul, spirit, body, your thoughts, your emotions, every single part of you to not just know that God is good, but to somebody say believe, believe, to believe that he's good. So every single sermon series, we have an anchor scripture. And the reason why that is, I've explained it multiple times, but for those that are new ears today, good morning to you. The reason why we have anchor scriptures is so that as we begin to teach the word of God and as we begin to study, we need to be able to go back somewhere so we understand the objective. It's how they teach your kids in school. Today they say, we're going to teach you about addition. And they tell them what addition is before they teach them how to do it. Why? Because if I teach you how to do something, but I don't explain to you why, it's not important to you anymore. Now you're just, I get you. Now you're just remembering the answers to pass the test. But once you get to the point where you're 27, 28, 30, and you're having kids, now you can't help them with math because you don't remember. But the point of our relationship with Christ isn't just to come to church to learn something to walk out the doors. 
The point is to get the objective on Sunday and practice it Monday through Saturday. This is the most holy that you get throughout the week. Some people plan their addiction after Sunday, on Monday. Like, I can't do it. Sunday's holy. I, you know, I can't, I can't turn. I can't open up. Okay, y'all two saved over here. Like, I, I can't open up my laptop today because, you know, it's God's day. What? I ain't going to go clubbing tonight. But as soon as 12 o'clock hits, it's officially Monday. I'm in that thing, right? Look at your neighbor and say, your relationship with God matters. So our anchor scripture is very important. And as I was reading, I mean, it's not as well put together as a lot of the other ones. But when we look at the word of God, God has made so many different appointments with man. And we mess it up every time. God wants to literally reveal himself to man. Not in the form of a bush, not in the form of a bear, not in the form of something else. Somebody say God himself. Like, I want to come to you as I am. I don't want to Zoom call you. I don't want to call you. I don't want to text you. I don't want to send a letter by pigeon. God wants to show up to you face to face. And because we are afraid of him and we don't know him, we would rather have somebody stand in between us and God. But that is not Christianity. This position of being a pastor should not be needed. You should be able to go to God's, look at your neighbor, say for yourself. So when we, look at the, when we look at the word of God in Exodus 19, Moses is extremely frustrated. And this is the anchor scripture. I'm going to get into my text in a second. Moses is extremely frustrated because now he's having to stand in front of dirty people and a righteous God. And that's a level of stress that nobody should have to carry. I think that's the reason why mental health in the church is, is like literally running rampant and why pastors are taking their own lives. Because they are standing in the middle between righteousness and wickedness. And we're not built for that. But look at your neighbor and say, people are afraid of God. You're supposed to be fearful of God, which means that you reverence him and you love him, but you're not supposed to be afraid of him. So can we unbox why we are afraid of a God that loves us? Exodus 19, 16, it says, On the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed, and a dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn, and all the people trembled. Somebody say trembled. Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God. What we have to understand is that at this point in time, the, the slaves of Egypt are now in the wilderness, right? Like they've been there and now God is like, okay, now that I've got you out of slavery, now that I've got you out of captivity, I want to meet you. But then when he comes to meet them, they don't see God. They hear the thunder, the lightning. They see the clouds and the blackness and the darkness and they become fearful. So many times in our lives, the answer that God has given you, we can become afraid of it because it's scary, but it's actually God himself. So now Moses is sitting there, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. All of the Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord was descending on it in from the fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln, and the whole mountain shook. Somebody said the whole mountain shook. Violently. We're not talking about like a class one, class two earthquake. We're talking about the entire earth shook. Terrifying if you don't know who you're coming to meet. As the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God thundered his reply. The Lord came down on the mountain of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses climbed the mountain. The problem with this, with this part is that before this point, Moses had a conversation with God. And what does God tell Moses? God tells Moses, I want to meet my people. So how do you go from everybody getting ready to climb up the mountain to meet God to now only one man is going? If you have been saved by grace by Jesus Christ and you, you, you're at the cross and, and you're saved and you have salvation, that's great. But you didn't get saved to know Jesus. You got saved to know God. 
I know I'm messing with your religion this morning, but I'm going to reveal to you a principle of the kingdom this morning. Is that all right? And is it okay if I can do it my way? Somebody say, do it your way, PJ. So our, so our word for this year is manifest. Can you say manifest? So we understand that whatever we are learning in our sermon series is not going to happen by magic. Like, we're going to have to do some of the work. And we can't expect to have a relationship with God without doing the work. So the best way to know someone is to study them. By doing this, we can learn their ways, their character, their temperament, the cycle on how they make decisions. So the point of this sermon series is to help you better establish a proper understanding of who God is so you know how he operates. God doesn't work by you praying and he moves his hand. That's not how he works. God doesn't take us out of situations just because he loves us. Look at your neighbor and say, he is a God, which means that there has to be decency and order. Here we go. Let's go to Genesis 1 and 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Can you read this part with me? And the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the spirit of God was covering, hovering over the surface of the waters. As we begin to read Genesis, Genesis 1, the creation of the earth and heaven is happening. And it's so beautiful. Like, it's, it's, it's amazing to know that of all the things that they could have said about God, they said that he was a creator. Like, why didn't they say that he was majestic or he was sovereign or that he was God or that he was king or that he had wrath? Maybe because with being a creator, everything else is in there. Right? So multiple times when we read the word of God, the reason why you can't sometimes find certain things verbatim is because you're supposed to use your common sense to fill in the gap. But when we turn off our brain, we say, well, it doesn't say I shouldn't sleep with the person on Tuesday from 7 p.m. to 2 a.m. So therefore, since it's not in there verbatim, so we'll start to make up our own rules and we'll make our own doctrine. Then we'll get frustrated that God is wrathful towards us, but then we'll say, well, it doesn't say it in your word. And God is like, I made you smart enough to fill in the gap. And I don't want to be a God that has to write down every single thing that you can or you don't do because then you do not have somebody say free will. So in the beginning, God creates earth, and it's beautiful. It's dark. It's void. There's, there's, there's stars all over the place, right? Beautiful. You see it? It's gorgeous. And out of this, verse 1, God creates two different domains. Say two different domains for living. He creates heaven and earth. We are first introduced to the Holy Spirit. It says that the Holy Spirit is hovering over the deep. Long story, what that means is that before Adam and Eve fell, you didn't have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was supposed to be in and around you all the time. So until they fell, you didn't have to ask God or ask the Holy Spirit to help you. He was already always helping you. So this is the perfect picture of God in his creation. The next verse says that he creates light. Verse 3 says that he has differentiated between the daytime and the nighttime. He creates the sun and he creates darkness. And sun and light, I mean, I'm sorry, sun, uh, darkness and light cannot be in the same place at the same time. When you go home and turn on the lights, you don't hear, like, you know, swords. You don't hear the darkness say, ah, you don't hear that. As soon as the light turns on, darkness does what? It scatters. The next day, God creates the sky. In verse 6, he instantly makes this area that allows for oxygen to happen. And he uses his words. Somebody says his words. This is why it is very important because we talk about I'm like God, I'm God's kid, I'm Christ's kid. That's great. But if God can use his words to create the sky, what can you use your words to make in your life? 
And all the time when you're speaking, it's not always great stuff. Man, I got a headache. And then you have a headache and you're just like, I need the Advil. No, you spoke it. So now God has created the sky. Somebody say the sky. Beautiful in its expansion, it's infinite. And God says what? It is good. The next day, it says that God brings life to the earth and he creates the oceans and the waters. I'm going somewhere, please don't fall asleep. He creates the oceans and the waters. He creates land and vegetation. He creates seed bearing fruit and he creates water. He makes an expansion on the earth just for water. Just for water. When he made the sky, he made oxygen in the air form. When he made water, he made oxygen in the liquid form. Just by saying, I want to see water. I want to destroy something that you might be thinking in your mind. When you pray, you don't always have to be so specific. Sometimes just by saying, I want peace in my life, the marriage gets together, the finances get together, your children get their minds together. Somebody say, use your words. God creates the land. He creates the land. He creates mountains and, and, and valleys and, and, and trees. He, he creates an expansion so that when he comes and sees man on earth, he doesn't just see man in earth. He sees a masterpiece that he's created. Everything that God has ever made, he has made it to look at it and call it beautiful. So if it's not beautiful, God didn't make it. I'm trying to help you. On this day, he creates water and land, and he instantaneously creates gravity so that the water doesn't just go everywhere. But he didn't have to say that. And now there's two different areas. There's, there's two different domains. And then the next part that we understand, somebody said the next part, it's that like God creates space. Now that he creates the earth, he has to put the earth somewhere. I'm trying to explain to you how amazing your God is. You've read Genesis, but you've never read it like this. Have you ever read it like this before? He creates space. He makes oxygen. He makes land. He makes water. He puts it in a capsule called the ozone layer, and he puts it in nothingness and allows it to reproduce after itself with nothing to help it. You don't need people to help you. God created you to be self-sustaining. I'm teaching good already. He creates space. Somebody say space. space. Emptiness. He creates nothing out of nothing. How? He creates the celestial work of art, stars and planets. He creates the sun and the moon. But then after God does all of this and creates, he has to fill it with something. God did not create your life to be empty. Now pay attention. Understand that I didn't say that God made you to be married. Filling your life does not mean putting a ring on your finger and giving yourself to somebody for the rest of your life. Because some people have the gift of singleness. Can somebody say amen? My auntie is all of 70 some years old. Has never been married, never been in a physical relationship. And when I tell you she is good. Your boy, not so much. But that doesn't mean that God can't use her because she doesn't want to bear physical children. So God wants to fill our lives, but it's not always in a marriage. Sometimes it's in a good relationship. Fostering children is enough to be filled by God. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? But when we use religion, we will use this word to beat people over the head, and then they'll think that God is bad, but he's not. Somebody say space. So God has to fill the space. 
So how does God do it? He, when he created the ocean, he creates fish and creatures and whales. When he created the land, he makes lions and tigers and bears, oh my, and, and, and seals. And there are parts of the ocean that we don't even know. The expansiveness of the ocean is even almost just, expansive, just as expansive as space. The little that we know, somebody said the little, that we know about animals, there are still more species that we will never know because they are so deep in the earth that they don't need oxygen. There's no oxygen that gets down there. There's no light that gets down there. So if they come to the surface, they die. Those conversations of like King Kong and like, you know, uh, uh, who, who else? Godzilla and people are laughing. They probably exist. Middle earth is probably the truth. Because your God was creative enough to know the timeline of when things should live and when they should die. Everything is on purpose. When he created the stars, he told them to stay in the firmament, which is space. If a star falls out of space, what do we call it? A shooting star or a meteor, right? But do you know what's happening to that star? Because it left where God put it, it has to. Glory to God. If you take a fish and you put wings on it and you take it out of the ocean and you throw it in the sky, it has to, it has to die. Am I teaching good? If you take a freshwater fish and you put it in salt water, well, it's the same water. No, God was specific when he made it. He was very specific. God wants us to understand a couple of things, and I want you to write this down. God's goodness isn't measured by his blessings. God's goodness is measured by his boundaries. When God created the fish, he didn't have to argue with the fish about staying in the water. You don't see fish jumping out of the water, cursing God because they have to live in water. They stay within somebody scream at me, boundaries. But if we live in our lives thinking that where God placed us isn't good enough, we will curse a God in the place that he placed us, telling him that where you put me, you made a mistake. But God is sovereign. God is good. God is holy. God is amazing. God, God is omnipotent. He's expansive. He's, omni, he's omnipresent. He's, omnis, uh, he's omnip, uh, omnipotent, which basically means that he's everywhere all the same time and he's nowhere. He doesn't, he doesn't exist. He is. So in order for us to trust to God, we have to understand something first, that God is better than us and he's bigger than us. And this is the biggest one. He's higher than us. We are not on the same level as God. So when people have this conversation, only God can judge me, that should not give you joy. I would much rather man judge me. I would much rather deal with people saying things on Facebook. I would much rather deal with people saying things in the DM. I would much rather have TMZ take a picture of me naked in my bathroom doing something I'm not supposed to do than stand in front of God and be judged. So we say these things because it makes us feel good, but it's not the Bible. And look at your neighbor and say, God created boundaries because he loves you. The goodness of God is proven within his boundaries. 
God is obsessed with this thing called structure. He's obsessed with things being in order. He's obsessed with things actually working the way that he created them. And you're just like God. You want to know how I know? How many of you have children that act outside of how you train them? It is frustrating. I'm sorry. I know. But what do you do when the child comes to you? You look at them and you don't look at the act. You have to remember what you taught them. And that's what God does. God looks at the earth and he sees everything that's going on. And he doesn't look at the stuff that's bad. He looks at the people that he left in charge of it. Oh, this is so good. I wish I had more time. But I know Pastor Martin isn't here and he's about to text me because I just said that. Let's go to Genesis 1.26. It says, then God said, let us make human beings. He made space, put stars in it. He made water, put fish in it. He made land, put animals on it. He made the sky, put birds in it. Now, because he has made the earth, he called everything from the earth in the earth. So he called fish out of the water. He called animals out of the land. He called birds out of the sky. That means that he called stars out of the firmament, space. So when God wants to make him a person that he loves and he can give affection to, who does he pull that person out of? Himself. This is the reason why we don't worship gemstones and crystals. This is the reason why we don't worship the sun and the moon and the stars. This is the reason why we don't celebrate seasons. This is the reason why we don't worship animals, because they are made beneath us. Do you understand what I am saying? But we have people that are afraid of God, and we're afraid of his condemnation. We're afraid of the judgment and the rulership of him, that we would rather, ooh, Jesus, we would rather worship a rock that we can get from the store than to go to the rock that made it all. We would rather burn sage and, and burn these, these plants that you have to plant and you have to water rather than going to the God that made it. And it's not a bad thing because we all do it. For some of you, it's not sage. Some of us worship our cars. We worship our job. We worship the baby that God gave us. We worship the woman or the man that God allowed us to marry. And we forget the only reason why I have you is because he's good. Somebody say he's good. So fish come from water, birds from the, from the sky, animals from land. I feel the Holy Spirit already. Lord have mercy. But when God wants to love something, he calls it from himself. You are a human being, but your spirit is the God class. Somebody lay your hand on your soul and say, this came from God. This didn't come from your parents, 15, 20 minute, 30 minute nights of fun. That's not what it was. God planned you on purpose. If God can put a school of fish in the bottom parts of the ocean where their bodies are not ripped apart by pressure and they don't have to eat anything physically, how much more does he love you? And God said, let us make human beings in our image and in our likeness. Long story short, you are made to look like God and act like God. Say it. Look like God. Act like God. Look like God. Act like God. So when we don't look or act like God, God cannot claim us. I'm going to prove it to you. Then they will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, at the, uh, uh, all the wild animals on the earth, and all the small animals and scurry around the ground. Uh, Pastor Martin calls them the creeps. Then God did what? He blessed them and said, do what? Be fruitful and multiply. He never said, worship me. 
because everything in which they did was worship. Worship is not what you just did for the past 30 minutes. As you're sitting here breathing, that's worship to God. The word of God says that as the seas roll, every wave that crashes is music to God's heart, which means that what you do Monday through Saturday is worship to God. The question is, what song are you singing with your actions? When you're rude to the person at the grocery store, that's worship to God. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you talk to your baby and you lie to them, they're just kids, they understand. No, that's worship to God. Don't you remember when you were six years old and your daddy promised you ice cream and it didn't happen? You said, Daddy, you said on Monday that on Saturday we get an ice cream. It's 11.59 on Friday. Tomorrow's Saturday. Sorry, baby, I'm tired. What did that do to you? It told you how much they cared. It told you how much energy they had. But God is good. If you look at your life, there has never been a time where God did not meet your need. The question is, did you know what need needed to be met? Damon. God, I need a car. 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 Somebody blesses you with a bus ticket that you don't have to pay for, but God, I ask for a car, but you get able to get to where you need to go. Your need wasn't a vehicle. Your need was transportation. So we can walk, we can walk in our life being upset with a God that has met every one of our needs. We just don't know what we need. God, I need a husband, and you can't find him. Maybe because the gift to get to your husband is this stint and season of singleness. God is not good. There are no good men. No, there's no good man for you right now as you are. Once you get good, then God will present to you what he wants for you. Somebody say hallelujah. It's not that God doesn't want you to have what you want. He wants you to have what you need. Because I don't know about you, multiple areas in my life where I got what I wanted, I didn't need it. Let me get back to the word. Let me get back to the word. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. STN happened for a reason. Pastor Martin taught for three days on reigning for a reason. In your life, if you call yourself a son of the most high, if you say that you know God, then that means that your life Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday, you should not be brainless. The word of God says that you're supposed to do what? Be fruitful and multiply, which means it's awesome that you entered into that job at the bottom level, the sis that's watching right now. That's awesome that you started as a nail tech. But if in your heart you have a desire to own the whole thing, that's God. If you are in a place where you are not able to have children, but God told you you're supposed to be a mother, and you have this want to adopt all your nieces and nephews, that's enough. But I can't reign and I can't be like God if I'm okay where I was inserted. You mean to tell me, and please hear my heart. You've been working there for 15 years and you're in the same position and you don't have any power? I mean, that's, that's cool. Stay in the same position, but I learned how to lead from the bottom. You know what I'm saying? I might be on the fry line, but you ain't going to put that burger out there without my fries. Like you, get, you begin to change the way in which you think. Let's all this mind of Christ also be in me. What does that mean? That means that when God looks at things and he sees something's empty, he creates something and fills it. 
That's the reason why you at your job, thank you, Holy Spirit. The reason why you are frustrated at your job is because your soul sees something empty and your soul demands that you fill it with something. Somebody say fill it. Fill it with something. But in order to fill something like God, look at your neighbor and say, you have to know him. Genesis 2 and 8 says, Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden. In the east and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit, which means that some of the fruit that was there wasn't to be eaten. They were just there to be looked at. There are some things in this earth that you should just peep game on, but don't eat it. When you are watching the craziness on a love and hip hop, I understand my life is very structured. So I need to watch something mindless sometimes. Love and hip hop is hilarious because it's like all like it's trash, but I don't have to think. Doing this pastoral thing Monday, Sunday to Sunday is tough. Like you got to work with people, have hard conversations. You know what I'm saying? Like I watched this show called Dexter. He's a murderer. I love it. I ain't got to think. I'm sitting there eating popcorn with my wife. Oh, he going to kill him. What? And it, and it makes me happy because I don't have to have structure. But God is never mindless. There's never a second that God takes away from you because he can't handle it. God doesn't have Netflix for Joshua. You know, Joshua tripping. Let me turn this on. No, 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 no. God is always on time. He's always on post. Somebody scream because he's good. He's good. He's not good because he's good. He's good because he's good. He's not good because he's good to you. He's good because he's, I'm, I'm good. Glory to God. In the middle of the garden, somebody say the middle of the garden. He placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Remember, there are some fruit, there are some trees that have fruit for you to eat. And there are some trees you're only supposed to look at. Here, we're given both of them. Tree of life is the one that you're supposed to eat. But the tree of knowledge of good and evil is the one you're supposed to just look at and be like, man, it'd be nice to have control of my life, but you know what? I'm good. The goodness of God is proven through the ease of his instructions. <laughs> There's no six points in a slide when it comes to God. We do this to entertain you sometimes. We do this to have so many different points to prove to you that God is good. But when God gives you an instruction, Sometimes it's like this, go to a land that I will show you. Hold up. Time out, God. You want me just to start walking? In which direction? Just go. Directions from God come like, uh, hey, bro, uh, 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 kill your son. Hold up. Not kill your son and as you're walking up the mountain, there will be a ram in the bush. No, no, no. Because faith ends where certainty ends. You want to know if God is in it? This is how you know if God is, is, is in it. If you don't know where you're going, you don't know what you're doing, you don't know how you're going to get there, you don't know who's going to help you, you don't know where you're going to get the money from, you don't know, God, everybody told us we're not going to have this baby, but you said we're going to get pregnant. Faith ends and certainty begins. Because if you're certain about things, you don't need God. So God always wants to keep you in this place where you don't know what in the world is going on. Why? Because now you need him. God doesn't need you to need him. You need to need him. Since God created the earth, he doesn't need the earth to live. God doesn't need oxygen to breathe. 
God doesn't need pressure to keep his life together. God doesn't need a skeleton to make his body move, which means that when God says that he's good, when he says that he's omnipotent, when he says that he's better than us, he's greater than us, when he says that he cannot lie, he's not lying. But we're human. We lie all the time. You lied to somebody this morning. You planned to go to brunch this morning, and you knew you couldn't just be at the crib because they were going to pull up. So you came to church. <laughs> all y'all. Oh, I'm sorry, sis. I can't, I can't come to brunch. Where are you going? I'm going to church. Oh, girl, I'll come and sit with you. You're like, man, I can't get away from her. We're fickle. We're dirty. We're disgusting. We're liars. We're manipulators. We are literally born into sin. So that means that we are like God, but we are not God. Okay, let, let, let me prove it to you. In the chapters before everything that Adam and Eve encountered uh, had God's presence. This was a new opportunity to bring what they didn't know back to God, right? When we look at the Garden of Eden, man is placed in the garden with the good and the bad, which means that God is still good even with the good and the bad. Hurricanes, children are being abducted, sex trafficking, it's terrible. It's terrible things, but God is still good. We become conceited and we see the terrible things that are happening. We're saying, God, because this is happening in the earth, you're not good. And God says, well, if you scroll back up to Genesis 2, I told you to handle that. Let me prove it to you. Verse 3, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 1. says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit? from any of the trees in the garden. Now, everybody talks about how Eve is the one that messed up. True, there's faults on both sides. But the problem with Eve wasn't that she ate the fruit. The problem with Eve is that she had a conversation. Up until this point, everything is holy. Up until this point, the only voice in her ear is God's and her husband's. But then what does she do? She replies. There's some stuff in your life, God wants it in your life so that you don't talk to it and you annoy it. He's not putting it there to tempt you. He's putting it there to prove that he's good through your actions of obedience. This is too deep. Of course we may eat from, of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat, God said. You must not eat of the tree and touch it, and you know you're going to die. Then what does Satan say? You won't die. God told you you would die. God is good. He's sovereign. He's never lied. So when he said you will die, nothing that anybody else says is going to change the hand of God. This is the reason why you cannot move from where you are positioned to another state or another country and think that you can follow God the same way as if you stayed. I just feel like I'm going to find myself in Texas. The same issues, anxiety, and depression that you're dealing with here is going to follow you there. Now you're just going to have to deal with traffic and, and, and homes and taxes. That's what you're going to have to deal with, with your anxiety and depression. So maybe the reason why God says don't eat it is because he actually knows what's good for you because he is good. Don't eat the fruit. But it looks delicious. Just, I'm God. I've never lied to you. I can't lie. I don't have the ability to lie. Even if, I tell, even if I tell a lie, the minute it comes out of my mouth, it becomes truth. 
the sky is purple. And the sky would turn, shoot, there it goes again. Like, I, I can't lie. You're a giraffe. And then you would have a long neck and everything, spots and all of that. Look at your neighbor and say, God can't lie. So why would he intentionally tell you things to hurt you? He's good. So when God tells you not to call him back, my heart hurts, God, my, my heart's broken. God's like, I know, but this is good for you. Don't call him back. And we will solicit our feelings before we solicit our faith. This is not a sermon to, to like beat you over the head. This is a sermon to really let you understand that we serve a God, not a man. You didn't create him. You can't create rules around him. Look at your neighbor and say, he is God all by himself. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, which is true. The lies that the enemy tells you are all sprung from truth. It's just always the opposite. So when the enemy tells you that you're dumb, oh, that actually means I'm, I'm right on time. When Satan tells you that you're late, when Satan tells you that you don't know what you're doing, when Satan tells you that, that, that you're stupid and it doesn't work out and, and he'll never love you, he can only speak to you the opposite of what God said. So sometimes in the seasons of your life, Miss Nancy, where you don't hear from God, but you hear from the enemy, just reverse what he said. And that's what God's saying. That is so good. You should give me a peanut butter jelly sandwich. God, I can't hear you. God, I don't see you. And all these situations are telling me that I'm broke. Uh-oh. That must mean that there's prosperity coming my way. Okay, cool, cool, cool. God, I need help being a better mother, a father, a sister, a brother, or a husband, or a wife, but I can't stand my husband, and everything's telling me to get divorced. Wait a minute. Maybe, maybe there's an opportunity here that I don't see. The enemy can only talk to you on the flip side of what God has said, because he cannot tell the truth. You want to know why he can't tell the truth? Because God is truth. And in order for the enemy to tell the truth, he would have to agree with God. When I tell you we're going to get your whole spirit together during this sermon series, I, I, I promise you. So they can't tell the truth because in order to tell the truth, he'd have to agree with God. So anything, and somebody needs to raise their hand. Anything and everything that God is saying to you, that, that the enemy is saying to you right now in this season that's opposite than God, just reverse it. Look at your neighbor and say reverse it. Reverse it. When you look in the mirror and you think that you're fat and you're not it and this isn't it, remember like, wait a minute. I was made in the righteousness of God. I was made in his image. So what I see in the mirror, yes, I need to lose 20 to 30 pounds. Yes, indeed. That's the truth. But the real truth is that I look just like God wanted me to look. Somebody say yes. You won't die. Your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. But God was so good that his boundaries were restrictive. As children, we think that restriction is a gate. But my dad has taught me something. He says, Joshua, it's not that we're trying to fence, fence things out. We're trying to fence things in. There's a difference between putting a fence up to keep things out. We don't do that. That means that you're always on the, off, you're always on the defense, trying to keep stuff out. I can't even have a, have a desktop computer because, you know, pornography's going to get me. No, that's silly. Rather, we put fences to fence us in. God, you take care of what's out there. But as far as what's in this circle, I'm, I'm going to take care of this. This is why that before you try to help your sister that's going through depression, you need to get your mental health together first. Y'all can't help each other. 
Moscato can only help you so far. Bottomless mimosas can only help you so far. Look at your neighbor. Say, be healed and be set free before you try to help somebody else. You can't swim trying to help somebody that's drowning. Come on, sit. Come on. No, what? No. Don't me the life preserved jacket. Leave me alone. Verse 6. Then it says the woman was convinced. The sin didn't happen when she touched the fruit or ate the fruit. Sin happened when she listened to what he had to say. This is why we tell you to read your Bible. We don't tell you to read your Bible because it's something you have to do every day. The reason why you need to do it every day is so that when the enemy comes to talk to you, you don't respond to him in your own words. You respond to him with what God gave you to respond to him with. The word of God is a sword. But if you've never used the sword before, you will more likely hurt yourself than kill what is coming after you. So when depression comes to you, you don't say things like my depression. You don't say things like my anxiety. When depression, sickness, COVID, whatever it is, you have to be able to know the word to talk to it. Because your words don't have authority. God's authority sits on top of your words. You are natural. Somebody say, I am natural. But God is super. So whatever you say is natural. But if you have a relationship with God, he puts his super on top of it. That's the reason why when people are healed from cancer, I'm never surprised. Because God's good. Dialysis didn't cure you. It played a part, but God is good. People ask me all the time, like, do you believe in aliens? If God created them, yeah. Do you believe in evolution? Well, yeah, like, that's why we have frogs. They can breathe in water. And, I, like, yeah. But I don't believe in Charles Darwin. I believe in a good God. Go to the hospital. I know somebody's watching, like, man, I'm done. No, 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 take your medicine. Because the same God that lives in heaven lives in the doctor. Lives in the counselor. Lives in the therapist. So take your medicine, but don't trust the medicine. You have to trust, trust God. Do what you have to do and be obedient to what the doctor's saying, but you have to love and know that somebody say God is good. Point number three is that you cannot trust God without God. <laughs> if loving God was based off of how we feel about God, it wouldn't happen often. How many of you are in a season right now where trusting God is difficult? Oh, you, y'all, oh, y'all gonna lie? Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll raise my hand for all y'all. I'm in a place right now, Joshua, not PJ. Once you get married as a man, this responsibility and mantle weight, it sits on you. Because now I'm totally responsible for another person. Don't get married if you're not ready to give your life to her. That's just for my dudes that are out here. Like, if you're not ready to give your entire existence to her, everything. Even when you pass gas in the bathroom, it's for her. When she walks into it, I say, Vanessa, I love you. I'm kidding. That's for you. No, I'm kidding. My entire existence... It's for her. Every dollar that I make. I don't even know how much we have in our bank account. Why? Because I trust her. Sometimes the situations that you've asked God to take care of, you prove to God you don't trust him by going back to it and reminding him, well, God, remember what you said. He's like, I don't exist in time. You don't have to remind me. Because even the good that you want for your life came from me first. 
You don't have an original idea, Joshua. You don't have a good idea. You don't have good emotions. Whenever you feel happy, it's not because you got eight hours of sleep. When you wake up, it's not because your phone went off. When you wake up, it's because I'm good. So now you see that we have to change the way in which we think. We, we, have, to, we have to totally reconstruct the way that we see God and the way that we see things. The problem with Eve is that she didn't trust God to help her with this new situation. It says that Adam spent most of his time with God. He walks with God in the cool of the day, right? He walks with God. That means that when Adam, couldn't, when Adam didn't see God, he went to find him. He walked with him. God taught him. But Eve never did. So Eve did not have relationship with God like Adam did. Therefore, it was easier for her to believe Satan because that's who she had more conversations with. The reason why it's easier to trust your anxiety is because you've never talked to God about your anxiety. Okay, I'm, I'm running out of time. Is this good? I'm running out of time. The reason why God has created Eden was to create a place for us to dwell. God takes fish, where does he put them? In the, he takes birds, he puts them in the, uh, he creates stars, he puts them in the, and when he creates man, where does he put him? In the earth, in the garden. But if a fish leaves outside of the water, what happens? But God's not good. Garden, outside. I'm an antelope, but I want to become a guppy. In the Serengeti, I have everything that I need. I'm able to run real fast, like that, real fast. You see those videos like where they're about to get eaten by a crocodile, and then they, they juke them, like, and they go the other way? You can't do that underwater. So the gazelle jumps out of the Serengeti and jumps into the ocean and tries to do its little move in the water and gets eaten by a shark. Now he says, God, you're terrible. There's, there's no way that you exist. Okay? You're not getting the point. Stars. This is the firmament. This, this is space. I'm a star. I'm beautiful and I'm bright. But you know what? I want to do what I want to do. You know what? I, I'm going to leave the area that you put me that I couldn't create for myself. Outside of this, I can't sustain my life. So as I fall to the earth and I'm about to die and I'm burning up, to the people on earth, it's beautiful, but I'm actually experiencing pain. Then I fall to the earth, I get destroyed, I get cracked into different pieces, a piece of me goes to a museum, another piece goes in a little boy's pocket, another piece turns into an arrowhead, and now I'm in all these different places as an asteroid when I was a star. Now I'm just a rock scattered other places. And God, you're terrible. God, you're not good. Reason why God creates parameters is for you to deal with life within his boundaries. Here is fine. Here is safe. But outside of here, God doesn't have authority. So when we have this conversation and we say God is in control, he's in control in here. So if you're living your, your life outside of purpose, You're a great chef, but you were called to be a teacher. 
You can make a bunch of different money. You can create, like you can go up against Gordon Ramsay and like a, a different, all these different types of like competitions and your life can be full, but your purpose unfulfilled. This is the reason why we have people that are making millions of dollars, but they're outside of purpose and they kill themselves. Life is good, but God isn't good outside of his boundaries. And the only way that you are able to stay here is to have relationship with God. Boundaries save your life. God being restrictive and telling you no and wait and don't go and go left, not right, and like all that other stuff, it's not to make you feel conceited. It's not to make you feel bad. When we hear God say no, we should actually be able to hear him say, you don't want to go that way. But because Eve is in the garden, she's still not in relationship with God. So she's in the garden, but she doesn't know the man. So you can be in church and still be on your way to hell. Why? Not because you're not a bad person. Not because you tithe, you're obedient, but you don't know God. This is the reason as parents, you shouldn't push your kids to play sports that they suck at. Because you missed it. If coach would have put me in, he didn't. Get over it. Your daughter's a better painter than she is a volleyball player. Why would you make her work outside of the will of God to build a life that she has to sustain. Rather, teach your kids to go to God for themselves. Mommy and daddy had a plan for you, but since you're in this place and you don't know what you want to do, I, we, we asked for you to go to school. I understand school's not for everybody. I get it. But if you're in this waiting point in your life, go to school. It'll teach you stuff. Even if you don't get the degree, it'll teach you structure. It'll teach you how to communicate with people. But then we start, God doesn't fight with people when they want to leave his boundaries. This is my testimony. God doesn't like shake up my life to make me stay. My life gets shooken because I left. Look at your neighbor. Say, stay in the garden. Stay here. The problem with Eve is that she left God's presence and answered. She left God's presence and she answered Satan from her emotions. She didn't answer Satan or the enemy from how good he is. She answered him by feeling that her life was incomplete. That's the reason why when you're in that time, 24 hours of like insanity, you, anybody ever been there before? Like where it's just like, none of the decisions I'm making are making any sense, right? Don't make decisions in that time. Why? Because you're not in the presence of God. That's why in the middle of meetings, board meetings, on the plane, doesn't matter where I'm at, I fall to my knees and I say, God, I don't know what's going on, but I'm not going to move until I hear your voice. So now prayer doesn't just become something that you do to stay in right standing with God. Prayer is something that you do just to talk to about the things you're uncertain in. Colossians 1.16, it says, For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and in the earth. He made the things he can see and the things we can't see, such as uh, thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Read this part. It says, Everything was created through him and for him. God didn't create you for you. He created you for himself. You want to know how God feels about you when you do what you're supposed to do? How many of you have ever given yourself an, a super expensive gift on your birthday to you? I deserve this. Happy birthday, me. That's how God feels when we love on him and we believe he's good. 
when we are obedient to God, we, it's like God is giving a gift back to himself. When we say that God is a master, we believe that he made us, somebody say for him. So that means that if he's good, our natural reaction to his goodness should be trust. So when you're in an area where you don't trust God, it's not that you're indecisive, you might be far away from his presence. When you don't know what to do and you're you're trying to figure out what should I do, should I go left or you should go right? Now you're using your mind to make decisions. But you have to keep God's mind in you. Most disasters in the world come from man believing that we are a better master of ourselves. Everything that you see on earth that is evil came from the hands of man. Everything that you see. Because what? God is good. So if your family's not together and there's cheating and fornication and lying and stealing and robbing and murder, that's not God. God did not, God did not make Cain kill Abel. Cain had anger in his heart and he murdered his brother but God was still good. These hurricanes that are tearing up the earth, they're absolutely terrible, but it's not God. My wife that has to deal with passing children on, they just got here two days ago and now they're going home. Like, like literally, like they're two days old. She has to literally sit there and do medicine with her brain, but then still trust that God is good in her heart. And you can't trust God without God, but we try to do it. God, I don't need you. I'm going to learn to trust you. No, You have to go to God to ask him to help you understand him. Let me prove it to you. Let me prove it to you. Let me prove it to you. Somebody say God is good. The problem wasn't that she was bound by sin, but that she lost the ability to multiply and fill. Sin isn't a problem. Like like God doesn't really care about sin because he sent Jesus and look at your neighbor and say he died for that. The problem is, is that as you sin, you walk further and further away from God. And that journey to get back into righteousness is tough. How many of you are on that road? Everybody's hands should go up because all of us fall short of the glory of God every single day. We have to die. We have to kill. We have to do spiritual suicide every day. I have to kill. I have to wake up in the morning and do a seikaku. You know what that is? That's in the Japanese culture where they take a samurai sword, they go like this. And they kill themselves. You have to do that every single day, land on your cross and tell God, I do not want my will, but thy will be done. Anything that you do outside of God's will, you can't ask God to provide for. So this is why when you talk to me and you said, God said, I don't talk to you after that anymore. A lot of the times you can tell if it's God because he provides for what he tells you. But as soon as people say, well, God told me, hey, because in the case that it is God, I don't want to deal with him. But look at your neighbor. Say, you're responsible for where you go. You have to be careful with what you put God's cosign stamp on, especially if he never said it. You get married and say that God said it. You might be able to lie to those people in the courtroom, in the courthouse, because of COVID, I know. We can't have no people at our wedding. I get it. You might be able to lie to your bridesmaids and your groomsmen. When you're laying in that bed with that person that you said God told you to be with, you can't lie to that. When God gave you purpose, when he told you what you should be doing, you should be baking cakes, but you're an accountant. But you're in the job because you make more money. I push these numbers because I make more money, but you were gifted to make souffles. 
You were gifted to make pancakes that don't need syrup. I had some in Chicago this last weekend, and I, I was like, what? Oh, you put the syrup in the batter. Tough. All up in, around, and through. Glory. Okay. But yes, you might be helping people get their taxes together, but there's a world of people that deserve to have your cupcakes. Are you running away from marriage because you had one bad instance with a man in your life? I hate men, but God has called you to be a wife and a mother. So just because we are dealing with bad things doesn't mean that God isn't good. It just means that there are bad things that happen. I used to hear that all the time as a kid. I used to ask my dad, because we used to be on 24th and St. Mary's downtown. And there were a bunch of homeless people down there, Timmy. And like, as I would see them, I don't know about you, but I would just burst into tears. Ah, ah. I was like, why am I crying all the time? You see me cry now because I'm actually comfortable with how God moves my soul. But as a kid, I was embarrassed. Right? I could have swore up and down that I was going to go play football at, uh, at Nebraska. That's what I wanted. But I realized I only wanted it because all the other kids around me wanted it. When I saw a football, I didn't feel anything. But when I saw a person struggling on drugs on the street, I cried. Okay? I never really enjoyed Husker games. It's, it's dumb. I have to stand on my feet all day, hoot and holler, get beer spilled on me. And somebody that would call me the N-word one day, now I'm happy because I have the same red shirt on. Oh, that's too deep. Okay, never mind. But whenever I saw somebody that was dealing with anxiety and depression on Facebook, I, I would reach out to them, not even knowing them. Hey, bro, God loves you. Sometimes the direction in which your heart is pulled isn't because of the decision that you made. It's what God purposed you for. Some of us are sitting in jobs right now that pay the bills but doesn't fill our cup. I ain't telling you to go quit your job tomorrow. That's not what I'm saying. But if we spent more time soliciting the Holy Spirit before we made decisions, we wouldn't find ourselves in the middle of stuff that we were never supposed to be in. I love him. Did you ask God about him? I can afford the car. That's great. But did you ask God if this is the time for you to spend the bread? We can afford 2,000 more square feet, but you don't even take care of the 2,000 square feet you have now. But we can afford it. That means nothing. Because dirty people in a clean house are going to make a dirty house. Doesn't matter. You're mixed up and confused in singleness, but I love him. I'm going to get married. Did you ask the Lord? Look at your neighbor and say, did you ask him? The problem is that Eve didn't take what Satan told her back to God. Everything else, that's what they did. Adam named this thing, long neck, horns, spots. You're a giraffe. God, it's a giraffe. God said, that's good. Bet. Okay. You're round, you're fat like a pig, but you swim in water. Uh, you're a manatee. Manatee? God said what? That's good. But now when the serpent comes and talks to her, she talks to it. She doesn't take it back to God. What Eve should have done is, one, one second. Okay, I know what you said, God, about, oh, sorry, God's over here. Just for all of you that are spatially challenged. Serpent, God. Because that's what it looks like Sometimes. Because the voice of God, the voice of the enemy, and your voice all sound the same. So sometimes you have to ask the right questions. You'll get that on the way home. So now you look at God. The serpent told me if I eat this fruit, then I'm not going to die. God's like, that's not true. You will die. Okay. But he also said that if I eat it, my eyes will be open. Sweetheart, I don't want your eyes to be open. Oh, bet. Yeah, I can't eat the fruit. 
The reason why I love being a child is that when my parents tell me to do something, if it fails, I point at them. <laughs> Joshua, that was stupid. How could you do that at the conference? They, they told me. And then what happens? People go, oh, yeah, sorry, Josh. Pastor Martin, how could you let him? You begin to roll over the responsibility because you're in somebody's same relationship. The goodness of God is proven through his approach towards man. Listen to this. This is my close. Listen to this. Genesis 3, 8 through 9. Somebody say God is good. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Genesis 3, 8 through 9. It says, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God. Somebody underline this and say this and scream it. Somebody say God walking about in the garden. Eve takes the fruit. She's convinced. She bites the fruit, passes it to her husband. She was that fine that he didn't even think about it. He said, man, this girl fine. She didn't even think about it. Bit the fruit. And immediately, they look like God. They act like God. But now they're separated from God. I look like God. I act like God. But now I don't know God. I look like God, I act like God, but I don't know him, I'm, I'm, I'm separated. Jesus comes to earth to die to fix the separation, but you didn't get saved to worship Jesus. You didn't get, you didn't get saved, you didn't get salvation to worship the cross. I know I'm messing with your religion, but I really want to help you out. The only reason why Jesus left the right hand, left, G, left God, was to save you, to bring you back to God. The only reason why Jesus died, he didn't die because he loves you. Jesus died because God loves you. Okay, all right, this might be, okay. Okay. Jesus was just following orders. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This is even good to me in this moment. Jesus basically told God, I'll give up my deity. I'll give up glory in heaven to go save the people that you love. When Jesus is sitting there sweating, uh, bleeding, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, uh, crying blood. And he says, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus had to deal with some stuff on the inside of him. Man, these people ain't worth it. You love them, but this ain't it. Because we talked about what I was supposed to do before I got down here. I'm really not wit being beaten and whipped, but nevertheless. So on Easter, we don't sell. This is the reason why we don't celebrate the cross in the kingdom. It's a piece of wood that he died on. Great. Soaked. My sins are on it. But once he died on the cross, we are done with it. Jesus died to get you back to somebody say God. God. We don't worship what he did on the cross, just like we don't worship worship. That's the sense of me singing because I have a good voice, and now I like the sound of my voice more than where my voice is going. We don't, the cross is great, but God is bigger than the cross. I'm helping somebody this morning. God is bigger than anything and everything you will ever face, and he's good in the middle of it. Diagnosed with cancer, that's terrible but God's still good in the middle of it. I'm going through this divorce. I know you can't stand him or her. That's, I, I understand it. There's grace for that, but guess what? God's still good. 
I lost my son or my daughter and there was a miscarriage or you didn't know enough and you had an abortion. That's, I'm sorry that you had to go through that by yourself. But guess what? God, God is so good. And God still loves, God is so good that when you were there having the abortion, he still was good and loved you. As you were shooting up, God was good. Maybe the reason why you didn't overdose isn't because you know how much you need to get high. No, God was good enough. So now you start to look at the situations in your life. The seatbelt didn't save you from the car accident. Wow, you get out of the car. God, you're good. Whoa. You ever been driving and almost got in a car accident and be like, whoa. You think it's the ABS. You think it's, it's, your, it's your line tracking in your car. Oh, no, God is good. So that means that in every single situation that you think it's you, I step back from it and say, like, you know what, God, you, you so, look what you did. Every job I've ever gotten, every promotion I've ever gotten, I don't think it's because I'm good. It's just like, hold on, wait a minute. Oh, you're good. <laughs> I married my wife, and we're only two years into this thing. And there are certain moments, Mr. Cryer, where I step back, and I think, I think that I was sexy enough to attract her. But there are times where I see her brushing her teeth and I back up and I'm like, God, like you, right, me, you, this is how much you loved me that you gave me a woman that would love me when I'm in my tears, that you would give me a woman that would love me as I'm broken down, that you would give me a woman when I'm struggling with addiction. Like, God, you're good. But if we begin to think that what we are doing is good, we're literally spitting in God's face. I got the car. I bought the house. I got married. I'm the one that made my finances work. I'm the one that got over my emotions. I'm, and God is like, mm, yes, kind of. But the only reason why you had the strength to get over the depression of the breakup is because I'm good. The only reason why you didn't lose your mind in depression isn't because of the pills and the therapist. It's because I'm I'm. I'm good. The only reason why you were pushing that big-headed baby that you asked me for and they didn't die in your womb by miscarriage isn't because you're a woman and you're strong, which you are. The reason why you had that baby is because I'm good. You should walk into certain situations tomorrow a little bit different. As you walk over the threshold into the house that God gave you the power to buy, God, you're good. It's about to get real cold here in Omaha. When your heat turns on, on time. God, you know what? Glory to God, you're good. When you wake up and you can breathe and you can see and you can smell, before you go make an egg sandwich, step away from the countertop and say, God. Woo! As you're watching the news and people are dying from COVID, that's terrible. But as, you, as you're able to breathe and you're not sick, God, it's not because I wore a mask. It's because you're good. Somebody shout glory. It's because you're good. 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 I didn't beat addiction because I prayed. I didn't beat addiction because I walked in your obedience. I got out of addiction because you're good.
Glory to God. You didn't marry the right person because you went to premarital counseling and you stopped having sex before the marriage. No. You married the right woman or the right man because God loved you enough to be good to you to give you a good person to pick. Glory to God. The goodness of God is proven through his approach towards man. Can I, can I finish this? Please sit down. Please sit down. Please sit down. Please sit down. This is going to save somebody. This is going to, this is going to help, this is going to help you out. This is going to help you out. Mom, dad's not here. Am I okay? Cut it. So don't share what I'm about to say. Two minutes. All right. Two minutes. Somebody say two minutes. The goodness of God is proven through his approach towards man. Listen to this. Genesis 3, 8 through 9. Somebody say God is good. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God, somebody scream, walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord, God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man. He said, what? Where are you? Not because he didn't know where Adam was. He wanted Adam and Eve to announce that they were outside of where he put them. He's not ruthless. Remember, look at your neighbor and say, God is a gentleman. Like we're talking about how good God is, but the rest of the sermons were saying God is judge. God is, like, God is tough. Like, like, but we have to establish that God is good. The reason why we know that God is good is because when they fell, he didn't run up on them. He didn't scream at them. He didn't sprint towards them. In the New King James, Ms. Nancy, it says that they heard God softly approaching where they were. Grace isn't for you to sin. Grace is what God walks in towards you when you deserve death, he walks towards you. When you, when you deserve God sprinting at you and giving you a roundhouse kick to the head, he, he walks. When you deserve God to scream at you, Joshua, what are you doing? God says this, where are you? You're not where I put you. Like where I, where I put you, there were 17 fish in this tank. Now there's only there's 16, where, where are you at? And he looks into the sky and he says, like, I put, I put that moon there for a reason, but there's a space there. Like, where, where are you? God went to search his heart for Adam and Eve and he couldn't find them. Because he had a relationship with them. And now he says, where are you? And Mr. Damon, this is the part that broke my heart this week. This is the part that broke my heart. The problem with Eve is that she didn't trust God to help her figure out how she felt about God. Naturi, if you capture this, you will never be depressed or having, you'll never have it. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? I don't care about none of these people in this room. Right now. I love y'all, but the, I, this is like, please hear what I'm about to say. Do you hear me, sweetheart? The problem with Eve is that she tried to deal with a situation that was too big for her by herself. How you trust God is first you have to make up in your mind that he's good. You don't pray about it first. You, don't, you, have to, you have to make up in your mind before you go to him. Like, you're good. And this is the tough part, but this is the part. Listen. You bring everything to God in prayer. That's how you trust him. All prayer is, listen, all prayer is, is you telling an eternal God, about a small situation in your personal existence. That's all, that's all it is. All prayer is, is this. This is prayer, Naturi. Listen, 
God, I don't trust you right now, but I need you to help me trust you. That's prayer. Prayer doesn't have to sound super New King James and thou and thus. No, I don't even pray like that. As your pastor, you want to know how I pray? As I'm walking through the halls, as I'm going to the grocery store, God, I have no idea how you're going to do it. And I really don't trust you to do it. But you're good. Therefore, I trust you. Look at your neighbor and say, that's prayer. God is so good that how you feel about him, he's big enough to unbox that about him with you. So if you're sitting in your purple seat right now and you don't trust God, the only person that can help you deal with not trusting God is God himself. Because he's good. Stop talking to your depression about your God and take your depression to your God. I'm not talking to this. I'm going to take this, Ms. Creole. I'm going to take my anxiety, my depression, and I'm going to leave it in the presence of God. And then guess what? I'm going to leave it alone. Because God is good.